Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Top Flight Time Machine are going to be going on tour in early November. You will experience physical movement and emotional movement and so much more from both of us. Bowel movement? Maybe there'll be a bit of bowel movement. I can't promise it, but if that's what you're looking for, we can make it happen, probably. It won't be uh, one of those things where a podcast episode is recorded in a theatre. Fuck that. This is a proper show with um, songs and dancing and um, high moments of uh, exhilaration. So come along. Let's just quickly tell you where we're going to be. The 1st of November, we're in Brighton. 2nd of November, we're in... Um, Nottingham, the third were in Leeds, the fifth were in Manchester, the seventh were in Glasgow, the eighth were in Newcastle, the ninth were in Birmingham, and the tenth were in London. <gasps> the capital. Mm, what a uh, phenomenal. It's going to be good. I think there's a few tickets left at most venues. Yep. It's uh, going to be really exciting. It's called the Velvet Drain Bike Tour. It's going to be better than the last one, yeah. which is saying something because the last one was fucking amazing. Ask anyone who yeah. went. But this one, whoa, it's going to knock your cock off. Or if you're a lady, it will knock off your boobs. Go to tftimemachine.com slash live shows to have a look at where you get tickets from. There'll also be a chance to interact with us in an official capacity while we're on stage, not after the show. In a very limited capacity. Come along, you'll love it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to the first ever History Box, mm. a brand new series of podcasts that we're doing uh, inspired by history and the concept of the box. Uh, we're looking inside history's box for various reasons, and the first one we're going to do is going to be Phil Collins and the time he did Live Aid on both sides of the Atlantic. If that's yeah. not one of the most important points in history, I don't know what is. Just to explain the concept, we've got a, a history a box. History is a history is a box. That's what it is, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's like yeah. if you can. People sometimes say to us because we're amateur historians, um, they say, "Andy, Sam, what is history?" Children is say that river? to us. Is it a river? Is, they say, is, and it kind is of exactly. is. Is it a lake? Is it a river? Is it an ocean? No. We say close, but no, it's a box. And inside that box is all of the interesting, um, significant moments that have happened through the existence of time. And what we do is we have a box and we reach into it and anything could come out. It could be the Battle of Stalingrad. It could be the invention of the wheel. It could be... um, who The Corn Laws. It could be anything Mm. or it could be Phil Collins at Live Aid. Literally, yeah. it could be imagination's case. debut on top of the pops. <laughs> you just pops. don't know because throughout time, literally, loads mm-hmm. of things have happened. The box they? is the box massive. Is the question? It's so big. 
it's quite big, but at the same time, the fragments of history that are in it are very small because they've Tiny. got to be. Otherwise, you wouldn't get them all in there. So we use tweezers, don't we? To yeah. Get the other thing is our boxes self-filtering. So what that means yeah. is, is that... It, and self-cleaning. When, when I say everything that's happened, it's not like... Um, it's not like like even the boring things. Do you know what I mean? Like really yeah. boring. It's not like you're not going to get like the Stone Roses second album in there, no. or like one of the less interesting wars, like the Korean War, right? Or or the the, the seat belts in the back seat law. No, That's exactly. Not you're not going to get all of that because it'd be too much. So this filters. This is a self-filtering, self-clean, self-cleaning mm. like the human bum. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, have we explained enough by now, do you think? I just like people to know where they stand. <laughs> All right, so we've, we've, we've taken our tweezers and we've selected Phil Collins at Live Aid for the first one. And as our source material, we've taken Phil Collins' autobiography, which is called Not Dead Yet. Um, you've read this, Sam. I haven't read it yet, but this chapter that I've covered for this podcast has inspired me, and I'm going to read it. I've mm. bought it on Kindle, and I've also upgraded for an extra £2.35, I think, to the Audible version as well. Oh. So it knows what you've read, read on Kindle. Does he yes. read it himself? Yes. This is key. This is key. He reads it, it himself. It is, Rod Stewart's one. He's got a lovely actor doing it, and it, nah, it, no good. it's sort Not of interested. funny, but it takes the edge off it. You need Rod. Not interested. No. Uh, no. Um, so the, with this on the Kindle, it knows where you're up to. And then if you switch to Audible, yeah. it picks up from where you've left. Them. Yeah. That's like fucking magic. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, it's almost scary. Yeah. That's it Bezos, like mate, that watching you. Bezos knows where you are at all times, what you're doing. I don't doing. mind. I don't mind. Yeah, if it makes life as fun as that, fine. Mm. It can fucking listen to all I, the conversations. I, I did it. I read a book. I'm sure you would never read this book. Uh, I've got a feeling you've got strong feelings about it, but I'm, I'm not certain. But <laughs> I read Lily Allen's book, right? Um, yeah. And I had it also on audio. And right. that was brilliant. Just read, 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 read. Fuck, I've got to go out somewhere. Listen, mm-hmm. listen, listen, listen. No breaks at all. And Lily Allen's book is quite a read too. It's a bit depressing because she's been through all sorts she of... She was stalked, wasn't she, massively? Well, that, but that's just one of... I mean, she got a lot on her fucking plate. she got a lot of problems, mate. And she yeah. writes very candidly about all of them. When she goes on tour, she decides to get married and settle down because it's she's freaked out so badly by the fame and the madness that surrounds her and she just wants a quiet life. So she settles down and moves to the country and has a kid. But... Um, she gets bored quite quickly of that and decides to go on tour. And because she's been like let all her energy sort of build up inside of her whilst trying to live this sort of quieter life in the country. As soon as she goes on tour, she goes extra crazy and starts getting stuck into bad things. And at one point she just starts like, not because I think she's gay, but just because she wants to keep pushing the boundaries of how she amuses herself. She just gets really into just hiring female prostitutes every night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking fine I know yeah you know I mean? but it's like but the way she writes about it she's not the thing is it, it gets a bit bleak because she's not I mean on the one hand fine go for it do you know what I mean like whatever whatever you want to do um, but on the other hand she sort of is reflecting on it thinking do you know what 
I was in a pretty bad place when I was doing all of that. <laughs> it was oh, it weren't good yeah. for me. I've got no but problem. I, I I like Lily Allen. Um, oh, Lily good. and Alan and myself follow each other on Twitter, and I've had oh. I've had DM messages from Lily Allen asking no. me to revitalise uh, Diana in Heaven because you're such no. a big fan of it. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, mate! That's and amazing. I've say, no, Lily Allen. No, Lily Allen. Her time no, has Lily passed. Allen. I've, uh, <laughs> I have got Lily some Allen. other ideas though, and I'll list them here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on. I've moved on to other projects, Lily Allen. Let me ask you, you, are you interested in walls? (laughs) (laughs) No, hear me out. It's much better than the Diana stuff. Would you like to do a podcast? (laughs) Five episodes a week. Fucking hell, it'd be great. I'd I'd listen to you. I mean, I don't want to talk myself out of this, but I would definitely listen to you and Lily Allen do a podcast. That's not a bad idea. Ah, It would get tired quite quickly, I think, unlike this. Just just do six episodes. Just do a summer special. We certainly would be. I'll do it when you go on holiday. It should be like a standard. Andy and Andy and Lily's summer special. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Anyway, where are we? Phil Collins. It's his autobiography, not dead yet, and it's one of the chapters all about Live Aid. Um, Chapter's so, called Live Aid. My part in its downfall, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, oh, I've missed off some of the bits that I was gonna. In my opinion, this is until we read the Elton John book. Um, this was my favourite sort of music memoir. I just think it's so funny. Um, you don't realise how just quite how gigantic Phil Collins, who just does look like some geezer from next door. Mm. In fact, he did, he went to the same school as my brothers, and he uh, also learned what I, another thing I learned from this book. There was a lot of overlaps. He learned piano. In the next road to where I grew up. Right. Right. Um, the road where I still park my car when I go to my mum's. Wow. Wow. And he also lived in the same road as one of my best mates. Very weird cosmosy things going on in the book. But none of those are the reasons that I liked it so much. It's that he, he was this sort of quite ordinary bloke, which he admits, who became... He was a, you know, was almost like the last guy to be invited to to join Genesis, and only just sort of got in because the rest of them were all mates from private school, from public school, weren't they? Yeah. And, he, and yeah. he was just a bit like, oh, so he said, all right, you can join. And then he goes on to be so big. And in this period, when this chapter's set, it's not just that his own records are selling like so many, like incredible, mm. like the best selling artists in the world. He's producing, which I didn't know. He's producing and playing on every other massive fucking stars album. Everyone wants him to produce their music. And, uh, but throughout the whole book, uh, in this chapter, it's very evident, you'll have noticed, he basically is really down on himself throughout the whole Mm. thing. He's like, oh, fuck fuck that up, didn't I? Typical (laughs) me. He's a a bit of an eel. You feel bad for him because you think, mate, Look at all these amazing things you've done, but he's just like he's full. Of, Phil is full of so many regrets. I mean, even the title mm. of the book, "Not Dead Yet," is a bit grim. Yeah. Well, he's talking at the beginning about um, the the live aid things being rumoured, and um, Phil says, "I've been reading about it and thinking this is never going to happen. Too fantastical." And he says, "I've heard nothing directly from the unstoppable Mister Galdoff, so I assume it's pie in the sky stuff, or that I won't be involved." I'm yeah. not going to be asked to do this. Classic Phil, that. Classic <laughs> Phil. He's probably the biggest star in the world at the moment. Well, exactly, They probably yeah. won't ask old me. I'm too bold and boring. Yeah, I mean, it was like 82 was when he got a number one with You Can't Hurry Love. And then mm. 
Against All Odds, which is a fucking tremendous song. Don't let anybody great, tell you yeah. otherwise. Take a look at me now. Was was number? I don't think it got number one in Britain. I think it was only number two, but it was massive in early '84. So Phil was just by '85, no jacket required. Had just come out. He was huge. And uh, if there was anyone who was going to fly across the Atlantic during Live Aid, it was going to be him. But as mm. we find out, it wasn't just going to be him originally. No. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like the su- there's a subtitle to this chapter because that's Phil. Listen to his music. His songs are never simple. The production's always multi-layered, right? Yeah. And so it, not only will he give a title to every chapter, he always has a subtitle because it's it says Live Aid, my part in its downfall, then brackets, the show-off must go on, right? Yeah. Because his main gripe about this whole day at Live Aid was that he was he feels, incorrectly, that he was sort of singled out as one of the bad things about Live Aid, which has never really occurred to me. When you think of Live Aid, one of the main things you do think about is the fact that Phil Collins performed at Wembley, then flew on Concord and performed mm. in Philadelphia in the same day. You do think that. But I'd never thought, yeah, and he fucked it up, didn't he, the show-off cunt? But he thinks, because I suppose yeah. when you're famous like that, you read and you only register the bad things that people say. Yeah. And he thinks that people regarded it as a bit like he thought we're all supposed to be equal, all these different rock stars, but I thought I was a bit more special than the others because I made a big deal of performing at both venues. But he was let down because, as he says, Duran Duran was supposed to be doing it and all. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, So um, where are we? He talks about that thing which which lots of people have talked about with Geldof was just announcing acts before he'd even spoken to them. And then trying to play them off against each other by ringing up and saying, well, such and such is playing, so you have to do it. When, of course, he hasn't confirmed any of them. It's a good system, system, yeah. It worked for him. Yeah. So Robert Plant and Phil Collins are hanging out in Dallas for for some reason. Um, Phil's, yeah, Phil's rehearsing for the No Jacket Required Tour and Robert Plant's just fucking there for whatever reason because they've worked together in the past. So, um, yeah. Uh, there, there is a it's, bit it's, there that's that's relevant, because they're meeting in a hotel for dinner when this conversation comes up, and he refers back to the fact when they'd previously had dinner a few years beforehand in a hotel, and Phil Collins, who sort of, you know, is a working-class lad with, a, by his own admission, a slight chip on his shoulder had not been allowed into the restaurant that him and Robert Plant had tried to have dinner in because yeah. he they said it was jackets only like they do in American restaurants. You have to wear what they call a sports jacket or what we would call a blazer. Um, and Robert Robert Plant had a had a sort of a sports jacket on, but it was disgusting and multicolored and absurd. Whereas Phil Collins had a leather jacket on and they would not let him in. And Phil Collins was a bit like, do you know who I am? But they were like, mm. we don't give a shit, fuck off. And then a couple of years later, after his first album, was that called Face Value or was that a late one? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that was the first one. He, yeah. yeah. And a few years later, after that had been a global hit, he went back to the same restaurant and made a point of walking in without a jacket on. Hence, no jacket required, which I think is a great, in the history of album power plays, that's got to be yeah. up at the top. It's, a, it's an album <laughs> that is, in fact, a power play aimed at one individual maitre yeah, d yeah. at a hotel in America is the pettiest no jacket for an required. Album he could possibly no, have. No jacket required now, cunts. 
I mean, I've never really w- wondered about what the the basis of the title was, but there you go. That's that's what it was. Yeah. It's a, it's a fucking fuck you to one meter a yeah. day, an upscale. Don't restaurant. need no jacket now, do I? I'm Phil fucking Collins. I've sold ten Fantastic. million albums. You cunt. So he agrees to play with Robert Plant at Live Aid. And Robert suggests that Jimmy Page might get involved as well, so it becomes then a sort of a semi-Led Zepp reunion. And then he also has a conversation um, with Sting. And Sting wants to know if Phil wants to appear with him. So Phil's becoming a drummer for hire, really, for this whole live ear thing. He's just happy Everyone to appear with Everyone wants Phil on stage. Remember? Well, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, so he's been working with Sting on some demos. They, they, beca- they connected album. at recording um, uh, Band Aid. They met there, yeah. and we've all seen a million times the video of them all like hanging out and being mates. I love yeah. that. I was so engrossed by that when I was a kid, weren't you? Like mm. that that video of them all that was almost like kind of newsy documentary footage of them all mm. turning up at that studio. Yeah. And like hanging around together and just being in each other's company and chatting. And you mm. saw like the weird combinations of like people that you'd never think being in the same room together again. And that, more than the song or anything else, was I think the most engrossing thing about Band Aid, wasn't it? Well, it was all really tribal back then, wasn't it? Duran Duran versus Spando Ballet. They were almost like sworn enemies. And I don't think they, yeah. they got along particularly well with each other. But then mm. everyone came together for this charity thing. Like nowadays, everyone appears on everybody else's songs. It's almost like a big oh, yeah. club and everything is fucking featuring such and such. Yeah, yeah. But there was even an episode of Pop Quiz which was Duran Duran versus Spandau Ballet. Yeah, yeah. And that was and also tribal. You pick your side. Paul, Paul Weller was a um, band-aid. Something I think he's always like regretted. In, in subsequent interviews, he's like, oh God, it's such an awful song, why'd they do it? But according to Andrew Ridgely's book... Um, he had a pop at George Michael. Did and, he? Yeah, he, he made a beeline for him when they were there. George Michael turned up and Paul Weller was like, oi. And it was something to do with him playing. A, you know, like Paul Weller was extremely political at the time. Yeah. And he perceived George Michael incorrectly because George Michael, if you listen to his songs, they were very political, especially mm. the early Wham well, songs. Wham rap. Wham rap's yeah. really political, yeah. And... Uh, I mean, it's social commentary. Although, funnily enough, when we interviewed Mick Talbot last year for Humans of Honour, mm. do you remember Mick Talbot said, oh, I don't think we had anything in common with any 80s bands. The closest, the, the only ones I would have said there was any closeness to would have been Wham. Oh, right. In terms of our influences and right. the sort of things we were singing about. But right. this time, according to Andrew Ridgely, Weller had a pop at George Michael about something. And George right. Michael was like, oh, all right, calm, calm down, Paul, like that. <laughs> so, there was a, so there was friction going on. Jalapeño. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Jalapeño. But in amidst all the ugliness... What's nicer to hear is that Sting and Phil Collins 
became best met friends. and became friends. I wonder how that actually goes. Like, oh, I've quite enjoyed um, quite enjoyed meeting you today, Sting. If, if ever you want to hook up separately, maybe for a, a cup of coffee or a meal, uh, maybe we could both <laughs> take our wives out together. I will. All right. Yeah, it sounds. You're canny if we're both around late, but I'm, I'm, I travel a lot. Well, if, if we go somewhere as well, just let me know if there's any dress code. Because yeah. I've got this really elaborate leather jacket that I like to wear when I go out to dinner. So uh, it might no, fall foul t- of the dress code, let's say. Yeah, and, and Sting would have been, yeah. Um, ditto, if, if you've got anywhere in mind, let me know in advance because I can often look into, like sometimes they have a voucher scheme. <laughs> or there'll be certain nights of the week, less popular nights, where you can go and they're offering deals like two for one, something like that. It's like um, a set menu. The, I'm, the, the, I'm quite the canny offering, on that stuff. The offering's not quite as wide-ranging as usual, but you've always got like four or five different mains to choose from. And plus me, and, me and my option. wife, I'm not bothered. We'll eat out anyway, so don't matter to us. I'm not even that, but I'm not really a foodie sort of a bloke. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever they've got going, I'll give it a go. So for me, I don't need the full a la carte. I mean, I if, t- if the steak and chips on the menu, I'm happy. Stinks I'm happy. happy. <laughs> Trudy, my Trudy, she's just the same. You won't hear, honestly. With it, she the probably, good thing you, is... You probably won't hear a peep out of her the whole night. That's what's good about she, taking her she, out. She's such a, such a little thing. She cannot manage a whole steak. She normally gives half a verse to, my, to me. So that's great. So if Sting gets me. one and a half steaks... What, she, she's not one of these lasses who, when you take out, they're just banging on non-stop, giving you a fucking earache, trying to dominate the conversation, and it drives you up the fucking wall. My Trudy, she's quiet as a little dormouse. We're both very comfortable with silence, let's just say that. <laughs> if you and your missus, if Jill, if you want to lead the conversation, that's fine. Is, uh, is Jill a big talker, Phil? Does she say a lot? I mean, I'm looking forward to meeting her. I'm just wondering. <laughs> nah, well, you know, she has her moments, as they all do, Sting. Right? But not out of control. Like, you Depends know. Depends on her moods. You know what I mean? Know, Time of the month yeah, and all I mean, that. Nah, don't, don't worry, mate. I mean, if she starts. If she starts piping up too much, and I feel that in a way she's trying to control the conversation and not letting it flow freely, which is what I would hope of the evening, I will I will tell her to wind her neck in. There's no problem there at all. Good. Good to know. Good to know. It's good to have some boundaries set before you do these things. <laughs> so. It reminds me of when Kevin Keegan and Laurie McMenemy went for dinner together to discuss the move to Southampton. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably just the same stuff we said then. A pint of prawns. Aye, that was it. As they, they usually have a pint of prawns as a starter. And that, that's like year round. They've always got, they can always put a pint of prawns on. You're very likely to have that on the set menu. And that, very often, like me and Trudy would share one pint between us, leave more room for the steak and the dessert. And also... um the uh, Melchester, the farewell dinner to whatever he's, whatever he was called, yeah. Jeff. Oh, yeah. Something or other. <laughs> well, they had a farewell luncheon when they sold it around the club. Luncheon. <laughs> Pint of it's not a lunch. It's a fucking luncheon. <laughs> right. Anyway, so Sting, 
um, is going to play with Phil. Um, now, talk about Sting. the bit where Sting turns up at I'm Phil's house to, to rehearse. Yeah. This is on invest bits. Sting and Trudy Styler turn up at my house. Sting arrives ready to rock. Jill and I have a pool. We have a pool. It's an outdoor English swimming pool. It's July, so possibly the sun is out. <laughs> but we're not on the Riviera and the water is barely heated. But to be hospitable, uh, um, I say, if you want to have a swim without buying an eyelid or fetching a pair of trunks, Sting does just that. Off with the trousers, a slight rearranging of the underpants, and in he slides, smooth as an otter, barely oh. making a splash. Fucking hell. You can imagine, can't you? His entire body shaved. that was. Yeah. Tanned. Sliding into I, the pool. But it just, it's the way that he just does it without hesitation. Bill, just that politeness. Oh, come in, Sting. You know, it'd be that sort of thing as well where you've got a mate coming round, but he's never come round before, and you want to act chill about it, yeah. right? Like that time, and I've told you about the time when I first went round to Rami El Shabini's house, <laughs> my Egyptian friend at primary school, and he'd invited me round, and he was new at school, so I knew for him it was a big deal, right? Because it was yeah. like he was trying to make new friends, and I was the first kid he'd said, Do you want to come over? So I said, Yeah, all right. So mm. I go round, and it was that he was in his bed, and his mum says, Oh, yes, Rami's in his bedroom, just go down there. So I go mm. down, and he's lying on his front on the bed, right? <laughs> and you, you know, in a room, it's not been tidied as such, but you know, it's been arranged just so. It's been sorted out a bit, yeah. Yeah, like his best toys just happened to An be emergency. out. Yeah. Right. And he was lying on his front reading something like looking, right? And I must have told you this. On the stereo was the song, um, The Heat Is On. (laughs) This is a cool song. Sam will enjoy this. Which to an eight or nine year old is basically, it doesn't get any cooler. (laughs) And he's lying on his front with that plane. And it was so perfectly queued up. And as I walked in the room, he had this little brother called Basil, Basil El Shabini. And his little brother, his little brother was the classic dick little brother. His little brother runs into the room and just presses stop on the stereo. And Rami immediately loses his call and blurts, Basil, you dickhead, I had that lined up for when Sam got here. And it was like, it was so awful. This was the first thing I heard Rami say, and it was like so clear he'd been planning and building this day. And he's fucking panicked and blurted that. And as soon as the words left his mouth, it was almost like you could see him trying to claw them back in. And I didn't know what to say. Mm. I was too young. I didn't have the elan I have today, mate. No, I was like the savoir faire that I developed later in life. over with a land these days. I was like, oh, fucking hell, this is a disaster. And that's what I think this day was like, where Phil was like trying to act chill and mm. go into his wife, Jill. Like, Look, Sting's coming over his wife, but it don't matter. Um, but just out of interest, what are you going to wear? What are you thinking of wearing? <laughs> well, Phil, I'll wear exactly what I want. Just because you want to invite round your friends... Don't think that I need to start making special arrangements. No, I'm not saying you do. I'm just interested. I just think you look really nice in that nice dress, that yellow one. Well, no, no it's I'm July. The weather's nice. Dress. I'm going to wear this vest top. And I've got these shorts. <laughs> They've got a bit of, you know, a bit of bagginess about them. I'll wear them and me flip-flops. I'll be sitting by the pool. Oh, oh, what difference it make? What's his wife going to wear? Who, who the fuck is she anyway? Lady Di? Fucking hell, you would have thought we had Charles and Di coming round. 
Oh, no, I'm just saying Sting's never been around before, so you want to make a good impression. A good fucking impression, yeah. Well, I've got my fucking chores to do. Right, that's up to you. <laughs> Don't think I'm going to be fucking stopping every... I'm not rolling out the red carpet for this fucking Sting. Whatever he's there. Once you get a proper fucking name, for starters. <laughs> His real name's Gordon, but you're not supposed to call him that. He prefers it if you call him Sting. I'll call him fucking Gordon, thank you very much. <laughs> so he's got it all lined up. And then Sting's walked in and feels all nervous and just that for something Sting's gone, oh, Sting's gone, wait, I noticed you've got a swimming pool there, Phil. And Phil's just gone, yeah, you can have a swim if you want, Sting. <laughs> and without answering, Sting hasn't even answered according to the text. He's just literally, without responding, has just removed his clothes and dived in. All right, in we go. Nice. Those are the words I was hoping to hear. I won't lie, I'd done a little bit of digging and I had heard that you did have a pool. So I was fucking all the way when I truly, I was saying, oh, I fucking hope he lets me get in that fucking pool. And then Sting dives in and thinks to himself, oh, fuck me, it's not even heated. Fucking hell. <laughs> I thought sh- he was making a few quid. I-, I mean, I of all people know the energy costs of heating a pool year round like, but you would have thought in the summer months it was worth investing. Don't let him see that you're bothered by the coldness sting. Just play it I, cool. I read in Newsweek, I read in Music Week that no jacket required had just gone fucking platinum, and yet this cunt won't even fucking heat his pool. <laughs> to be fair, maybe the royalties haven't come through yet. Or he might have signed a really bad deal. It happens. <laughs> I'll have to have a word with him about that. Probably today is not the day. I've got some advice with him in terms of management. <laughs> And Phil says, uh, after a few easy lengths, he pulls himself out, dries off, Ease. and instantly looks immaculate once more. Flash sod. <laughs> I briefly consider taking up yoga, but mercifully, common sense prevails. <laughs> uh, hey, Sting, <laughs> you, you can teach me some of that yoga thing. <laughs> no, you're not ready, Phil. <laughs> I am not... Do- Phil, I am not doing tantric sex. I've read all about what Trudy and Sting get up to, and I am not I'm not having that in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, tell you, sex for that fucking long? Jesus Christ, have they got nothing else to do in their bloody lives? <laughs> no, and I tell you why as well, they've probably got about three nannies to look after the one kid. They probably haven't even got a telly. They sound like one of their people that don't have a telly and they brag about it. <laughs> Weirdos. Don't be like that, Jill. <laughs> They're perfectly nice people. I'll be the fucking judge of that. <laughs> so they do a bit of uh, a bit of rehearsal, uh, a couple of Phil songs, and then they do every breath you take. Uh, and Phil says, "I can't remember the words." So Sting tells me what to sing, and I write it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let me just write that down, Jill. Have every... you got a pen and pad? <laughs> Get it, your fucking self. Oh. I... Just wait there a moment, Sting. She's just joking. I'll just go and get my pen and pad. I will. Don't be too long, because I'm in the mood. I'm ready to rock, as I said when I arrived. <laughs> um, so, meanwhile, in the background, Led Zeppelin are reforming. John Paul Jones has decided to get involved as well. So, it's, it, you know, apart from um, the drummer who died, John Bonham, it's a full Led Zeppelin reunion. Phil's involved. Um and so he realises that he's effectively been asked to take the place of John Bonham. So suddenly it's like intimidating. He has. Um, but that's in America. 
<clears throat> and Sting's going to be in England. So Phil is torn. Um, and he says, uh, the plotting begins. Harvey Goldsmith, who's promoting the English gig, uh, looks at the logistics and says, it is possible, if Phil takes Concord, that he can get Philadelphia before the show ends. He can do his thing with Sting at Wembley, fly over to America, and finish the day on stage with Eric and Robert. So he's doing Eric Clapton's fucking gig as well while he's yeah. over there. Jesus Christ. Th- th- fucking Phil thinks this is great. He's a people pleaser, isn't he? He is. He, well, he is. And that's why he becomes later in the book, becomes an alcoholic. Because he never right. says no to fucking anything. He can't take the pressure. Right. So he's doing uh, Sting in England. And then he's going to do the Philadelphia one with Eric Clapton and Robert Plant. And that, which has now become the reformed Led Zeppelin. Uh he doesn't want to rehearse, he says, but Robert Plant and Jimmy Page want to. But he thinks he knows the songs anyway because he was a Led Zepp fan, so it's going to be mm. fine. He then finds out they've got former Chic drummer Tony Thompson to play as well. So they're going to be doing it with two drummers. Yeah. Which kind of seems like a good thing. If you're going to try and replace John Bonham, who only died four years previously, you can't replace yeah. him with one drummer. You've got to kind no, of... No, we're going to need two. Have yeah. two, at least. So... Um, and Phil points out that he's underestimated the Led Zeppelin reunion juggernaut at this point. What does he say about these? You rehearse it. Tell me the songs on the plane over. I'll woodshed it. I'll listen to the songs on my Walkman. So he's going to rehearse for a Led Zeppelin reunion gig on his Walkman on Concord. Yeah. Right, that'll be good. So then he's got some kind of problems about childcare because his daughter is 12 going on 13. She really wants to go to Live Aid, but she's not allowed to. Yeah, this is one of my favourite elements of it because he's just constantly under stress. And yeah. it's sort of, that's what makes it funny because Phil Collins really is the everyman of rock. He's the everyman, yeah, exactly that. Because, yeah. because like, even in this book, when he's describing, like, the, the most outlook, things that, you know, on the face of it, be the most outlandishly glamorous and exciting moments in life, yeah. he's... Uh, He's totally like he, he's focusing he's, only on things. Oh, I've, I've fucking had childcare to sort out. I didn't know what I was going to exactly. fucking do. He's, he's a stressed sitcom dad, isn't he? He is. Basically. Yeah, he's Martin Goodman from fucking what do you call it? Friday night dinner, right? And they're <laughs> yeah. going to him, and it, it's brilliant because his daughter, who's about the same age as my daughter is now, she obviously she's like she's thirteen. She is bang on the demographic, the smash yeah. hits readership. Who yeah. like this is like their dream come true. Duran Duran are going to be there. Fucking Spandau. All of them, right? And they're like, can can we? Can I go, Dad? Mm. You, it seems to me that from what I've read, you're going to be almost the number one star there. No, no, sweetheart. It's going to be too complicated. <laughs> um, Dad's going to be very busy. <laughs> and she's gone fucking mad at him about it. Apparently, she still hasn't forgiven him to this day, which is brilliant. And Jill's gone, well, I ain't taking her. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be on the sauce all day. I ain't looking after I'll no t- kids. The only way I'll fucking get through it is getting on the fucking... And I hope it's going to be a free bar as well, charity or no charity. Because, <laughs> of course, Jill is his second wife, isn't she? So the kids yeah. aren't Jill's. This is like I'm not kids. looking after them brats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can't remember. I think he had kids from both marriages. I mean, there were several right. other marriages subsequently well. He's got, well, he's got... Jolie is 12 going on 13, so that'll be his first marriage. And Simon... Yeah. I don't know Simon's age. But um, so it's the day of live aid. Um, as I suspected, we've just scratched the surface and we've run out of time. So the day of live aid will come in the next part of this history this gets, box extravaganza. Th- this is oh, amazing. 
the chapter of this book, but we've only done half of this chapter. The second half of the chapter really ramps things up. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so that'll be next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Goodbye. All the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.